0: It sounds like a race car, running at full speed, flying down the Indianapolis Motor Speedway as it rounds a tricky turn. Or maybe it's sirens from a police car, barreling through the streets in hot pursuit of a dangerous criminal. In reality, that high-pitched hum is actually the sound of an antique Cuban car racing down the Havana Highway as the warm night air catches the driver's hair in a steady breeze. That's a feeling few Americans have experienced in recent history, but with the icy relationship between the United States and Cuba beginning to slightly thaw, a group of Hoosier attorneys traveled to the island nation just south of America's border to discover what life is really like in that nation shrouded in mystery. On this episode of the Legal Impact Podcast, we'll chat with two attorneys who joined the Indiana State Bar Association's journey to Cuba, plus the guide who led the attorneys on what they describe as the trip of a lifetime. I'm Olivia Covington. Thanks for tuning in to the second installment of the Indiana Lawyers' new podcast, Legal Impact. Today we're taking a look back at the Indiana State Bar Association's recent trips to Cuba in January, when a group of 60 attorneys ventured 103 miles outside of the United States to visit the mysterious nation. Though relatively little water separates the Cuban people from Americans, the aftermath of the Cold War and the communist rule of Fidel Castro severed diplomatic ties between the two nations. Efforts toward diplomatic reconciliation began in 2015, but the United States continues to maintain an embargo against Cuban commercial, economic, and financial goods. Despite the remaining tensions, Americans have slowly begun to overtly visit Cuba in recent years, while U.S. airlines have begun offering commercial flights to the island. Those changes enabled the Indiana State Bar Association to sponsor a trip to Cuba upon the invitation of a company known as Cuba Cultural Travel. You know,
1: when I talked with them, I have to admit that I was a little bit... I was enthused, but I was unsure because I had the stereotypical images of Cuba in my head. But you know, we talked many times with Danny and with Michael and did our own due diligence and found out that the, what they could provide us would be an incredibly meaningful opportunity for our members. When we talked with people about traveling to Cuba, it's interesting, there wasn't a lot of in between. The emotions were either, I'm extremely excited, I wanna go, how quickly can I sign up? or why in the world would you go to Cuba? So, right. <laughs> so, we kept working and we kept building the excitement, and I just said, We're doing this. Let's make this happen.
0: That was Andy Metzel, the Benish attorney currently serving as ISBA president. Metzel met representatives from Cuba Cultural Travel two years ago when she was attending a leadership conference as ISBA vice president. Despite the strong reactions Andy received when she discussed the Cuba trip, the final tally of 60 lawyers forced the state bar to send two delegations to the island, one consisting of 42 people and the other consisting of 18. But garnering interest was not the only obstacle Metzl had to overcome. President Donald Trump announced he was reinstating the Cuban embargo on the same day the ISBA announced plans for its trip, and once that news had settled, the island fell victim to last year's deadly hurricane season, making the bar's trip seem more and more unlikely. But Cuba cultural travel continued to maintain that the trip would be educational and safe, so Andy pressed on and continued to build the hype among the attorneys who had signed on for the cultural excursion. One of those attorneys was Tony Walker, a Northern Indiana lawyer who called into the Indiana Lawyer's Indianapolis office to discuss his reasons for traveling south.
2: Well, I've actually been wanting to go to Cuba for a very long time, um, probably dating back to my college days in the 1980s. I was a part of a program at the University of Massachusetts called the Social Thought and Political Economy program, which was my major there. And as part of it, we did a lot of studying of the Cuban political model, political economic model at the time. So I always had, from an economic theory perspective, a deep interest in Cuba and what they were doing. I presumed it was going to be different than any other place I had traveled to, if for no other reason, just because of the absence of the presence of U.S. culture and uh and commercial establishment
3: it's very much in transition, you know you have a legacy of uh socialism in Cuba and a political animosity uh between you know our two countries, yet despite that many Americans have been visiting Cuba for years and really seeing for themselves how special of a place it is and how uh talented. Uh, and incredible, the, the people are there.
0: That was the voice of Danny Perez, a lawyer who is now a tour guide who leads bar association trips through Cuba. Danny is stationed in San Diego, California, but he called into the Indiana lawyer to discuss how he ended up working in the Cuban tourism industry. Cuba has always held a special place in Danny's life, because his grandparents migrated to the United States from the island in search of better job opportunities before the Cuban Revolution began. Danny had originally planned to use his law degree to advocate for improved relations between Cuba and the United States, but eventually decided his skills were best used when he was teaching lawyers like himself about the Cuban way of life. While traveling with the ISBA, Danny took the Hoosier attorneys on a journey through time, visiting both the old and modern areas of Havana. He also exposed them to Cuban art, architecture, and music, and arranged for lectures that taught the lawyers about economic, social, and political progress in the still-developing nation. Like many Americans, Andy said her knowledge of the history of the Cuban-American relationship caused her to assume the Cuban people were trying to break free from an oppressive way of life. But as she observed the day-to-day routines of the Cuban people, Andy said she learned her assumptions didn't match up with the
1: Cuban reality. We really made an effort to make sure that it was a meaningful educational experience combined with all the cultural immersion. When you learn about things like rule of law and economic reform, you might not put it into the correct context if you aren't around the people and the environment, and to see how it might work, or why it's challenging. So economic reform is extremely complex in a country like Cuba, where you have people who are on very limited wages, but there are certain things that are taken care of, such as medical, education, housing. It creates a population that is very much, at least in everything that we saw, at peace. I had a vision that this was a place everyone was trying to escape from. And when you're there, it's just the opposite. That's that's part of history and no one denies it and people talk about it, but you don't get the sense that people are trying to escape. People are trying to thrive.
0: One way the Cuban people have learned to thrive is by taking part in the growing private enterprise market, driven by the country's tourism industry. In the past, Cuban private enterprise has been subject to government regulation and restrictions, but as time has passed, the reins have begun to loosen. Now, Cubans have more opportunities to make money through business ventures, such as opening Casa Particulares, or the Cuban equivalent of a bed and breakfast. Perez says he encourages his tour groups to stay in a B&B to get a true sense of what life is like in Cuba, and Tony decided to take that suggestion to heart. That was a fantastic
2: experience. I'm glad I chose to do that other than being in a hotel, because it really Put you sort of in the life of the community. The one thing you'll notice in Cuba is you don't have many blocks to walk in any direction before you bump into a park. I had about a block away a park from uh, the house where we stayed, and I spent a considerable amount of time there just, you know, sitting in the park, watching kids play, watching people interact. When everyone's not sort of tied and, you know, connected to the internet or to their TV sets you tend to spend probably a lot more time outside of your house. So folks are in the park and it was just provided a great opportunity to be out and just see people interact. And it took me back to what you would sort of see in town squares and smaller communities 40, 50 years ago, where where, where the sense of community was still sort of built around person-to-person interaction in public spaces. This really is also fostered by the fact that they have these ration lines that you spend, you know, probably two or three hours, according to Danny, a week in some line waiting to get something. It's not as miserable as it probably sounds to a Westerner because the people are in line actively talking about politics, talking about, you know, cultural stuff. So there's, there's ongoing engagement with people that are just waiting in line with you where you have nothing really to do but to talk to one another. And, uh, It becomes part of the social fabric of the society instead of seen as just a a drudgery of waiting in line to pick up my loaf of bread.
0: Of course, no bar-sponsored trip would be complete without at least some discussion of the Cuban legal system. While Andy said there are many similarities between criminal and civil justice in America and Cuba, the group also learned some surprising facts about the Cuban legal profession. For one thing, Anyone, not just attorneys, can become a judge in Cuba. In fact, the position of a lay judge is not only common in Cuba, but it's actually encouraged and revered. But perhaps the most surprising element of the Cuban legal profession is how attorneys are compensated.
2: A Couple things that, that, that struck me immediately is one of our tour guides was an attorney. She can make two or three times more money as a tour guide than as an attorney. And I think in in, in that way, you see a a more inelastic kind of relationship between what you actually do and the value you add to society. (laughs) That can sound bad for a story when it just came out, but that's why you have a a, a strong emerging entrepreneurial class of people that, although they may be an accountant, CPA, you know, professions that in the States we would – Associate maybe with having greater economic opportunities in Cuba and the economy that's now built around tourism. Those professions pale in terms of the money that can be made in, in the tourist industry. So you have that, and then you still also, even though Cuba long ago sort of outlawed racial discrimination, you still see clear lines of discrimination in terms of access to better economic opportunities. Mm -hmm. based upon your cultural and racial heritage. And I did have an opportunity to talk with some of the Afro-Cubans about that and their ability to get in those high-paying tourism jobs, and they uniformly said "It's, it's, it's a challenge.
0: The trip to Cuba was made all the more appealing to the Indiana attorneys through the availability of continuing legal education credits that came with the trip. But aside from that perk, Danny said there are numerous reasons why attorneys should take an interest in Cuba.
3: You know, Cuba's in transition, and, you know, they have a mixture of Napoleonic civil law, remnants of, you know, Soviet law. And they really need to continue to develop rule of law, due process, and we can learn from each other in some ways as well. The the political standoff between the U.S. and Cuba is a very legal matter. I can't tell you how many laws and regulations with respect to Cuba uh, apply, and um, it's a it's a maze. Lawyers tend to find this just kind of interesting from a historical, political, legal framework. It's very complicated, so to speak. There's no there's no um, black and white answers. Our slogan, when we're on the trip for many aspects of Cuban society, is it's complicated. Um, So lawyers find it interesting that there are predominantly more female attorneys and judges in Cuba than male. Law schools, of course, as well as all higher education in Cuba is completely free for the students. But there's a service requirement of a couple years after graduating that can be served in a, a number of different ways for for young attorneys, including coming out of law school and becoming a judge. The legal system is evolving there with this new influx of private enterprise, and the economy is adapting as well as the legal system. And, but so you're, you're witnessing this moment in time. It really is a, a motion picture, and you're, you're witnessing the country at this moment in time and it's not going to be the same when when you come back in six months or a year even. Uh, there's, so there's a, there's a rapid change. And then at the same time, you have a country sort of frozen in time.
0: So what was the biggest takeaway from the ISBA's trip to Cuba? Well, if you ask Andy or Tony, they tell you that it's that the reality of the Cuban way of life is much different than American perceptions so if america chooses to move forward with efforts to restore diplomatic relations with cuba andy said it's vitally important for americans to understand what life in cuba is actually like today so coming back from this Mm -hmm. how does it change
1: your perception of life here in america or even the work you do without getting into anything political because i don't i don't think it's necessary to 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 put your politics at the forefront Mm -hmm. of the dialogue to say that you have to have a genuine appreciation for where our culture is today in order to make any strategic advances going forward and while we can constantly look back at history and we can appreciate history and we can have you know that perspective to work from it may not be everything that is relevant to our current dialogue this is a very very special place Cuba is like no place I have been in the world, and I've been all over the world, and I can't believe that it's just outside my door is how I feel, I mean, it's so close. It it is just a shame to think that it would continue on its current path and we wouldn't find a way to progress going forward.
0: As they reflected on their trip, both Andy and Tony said they hope they can return to Cuba one day and soon. Tony also wants to take his kids along on the next trip to give them the opportunity to practice the Spanish they've learned in school and expose them to different cultural practices. Both attorneys said the trip opened their eyes to a whole new world and they want their colleagues to have the same life-changing experience. That's all for this episode of the Legal Impact Podcast. We'll be back with another new episode next month, so stay tuned. For the Indiana Lawyer, I'm Olivia Covington. Thanks for listening.